Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Joining us now, Steve Oaken on the line, Senior Advisor, McClarty Associates. Steve, great to have you on. What are you seeing on the TV this morning that is of interest to you? One or two things? Beyond all the dancing, of course. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 look, I mean, look, I think it's, it's patience. It's let's get every vote counted. You know the lawsuits are coming from the Trump administration. You also know that they haven't put forth any evidence whatsoever to back their lawsuits, but you want the people counting the votes to make sure they are doing everything right, everything by order, so that it will be locked up eventually when all the votes are counted. So it's, you know, I think it's still going to be days before days before we get an official winner. So we're just going to have to be patient and and watch the vote come in and continue to uh, increase Biden's lead in all those key states. Steve, as a keen political observer as you are and an election analyst, is there an element of frustration here? Because, you know, there's that viral clip of Bernie Sanders, which now makes him look like Nostradamus, where he basically predicted what would happen every single step of the way, which is the following. Trump would take an initial lead, almost a surge, on the night of the election. And President Trump will call the election. Illegally, I'm putting in inverted commas, because he won't be declared the winner. But he'll have leads in key states. Why? Because history shows, and this election has definitely showed, that the majority of Republican voters, for all kinds of reasons, tend to vote on the day itself. Maybe because of paranoia on the part of the Democratic base, but they were urged to get out early, vote early, mail in your ballots... Uh, vote early, early, early. That was an overriding message from the Democrats, and it came to pass. It was clear in many states, particularly Republican states, that the mail-in votes would be counted secondly, after. So what would happen is this. The Democrats would start to see the Trump lead dissolve, and the Democrats would start to lead, as is happening now, and Trump would try to shut it down. So the point is, I was making to you, are you not a tad frustrated that maybe us in the media, the pollsters, the voters, the general public didn't see this a little earlier and didn't overreact so much either way? Look, it didn't take Nostradamus to figure out this was going to happen. Exactly. <laughs> Donald Trump said he was going to do this. And this, this what we call the blue shift, if you're, you know, in, in political science yeah. terms where the Democrats vote later in the mail-in process, um, that has been well-documented. It happened in 2018 in the Senate race in Arizona, um, where the Republican was up early, but two, three days later, the mail-in ballots come in, um, the Democrat goes ahead, and the Republican concedes, and no issue whatsoever. So we all knew this was going to happen. We knew it was going to be exacerbated this time because Donald Trump told Republicans don't trust the mail. The mail is fraud. Mail-in ballots are fraud. You have to vote in person. So the blue shift we knew was going to be even greater this time. Donald Trump said he wasn't going to, to concede or accept any result in which he lost. So no surprises whatsoever. And, and I think you don't see any, you know, you don't see Joe Biden or the Biden campaign. You're just saying, look, let the process work. It's working. The votes are getting counted. Everybody just Calm down, and we are confident at the end of the day we're going to win. And, and, and that's what the Biden campaign's saying, and, and you have to take, take them at their word that that's what's going to happen. Talking with Steve Oaken, the senior advisor at McClarty Associates here on Money FM Weekend Morning. Steve, we at the same time that we're seeing 27,000 votes uh, up for Biden in Pennsylvania, we've also seen him just lose uh, about 6,000, 7,000 votes 
in Arizona in the count. Uh, so it's now 36,000 to 29,000 more or less um, uh, in, in Arizona. So, uh, sorry, over the past hour, now it's gone from 36,000 to now 29,000 for Biden in Arizona. Let me make that clear. Uh, this is going to be a seesaw for a while, even though we are expecting many of those mail-in votes to favor the Democrats. But as you try to explain this to to folks watching around, you just mentioned, I think, very clearly, hey, we just got to sit back and relax. When when might we actually get some kind of indication? I mean, everything's trending Biden, but we don't know exactly for sure. Uh, Biden is supposed to come out and speak uh, supposedly in, in the coming hours or hour or something. We're not really sure when. How do we explain this to folks that are just trying to get a handle on when we're finally going to see this some result? Well, there are two things to keep in mind. One is that, you know, Joe Biden had many different paths to 270. As you know, Neil mentioned, that's the magic number. So Joe Biden has many different paths to 270. Donald Trump only has one, and it was very narrow. So even if Arizona goes the other way, and look, it might because you count all the votes, right? And even if it went all the other way, it wouldn't matter if Pennsylvania goes for Biden. And it wouldn't matter if Georgia and Nevada collectively go for Biden, even if Pennsylvania and Arizona didn't. So Joe Biden has many paths to victory. All of the 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 he's ahead in all four of those states. So you would expect that when all the votes are counted, he's going to be ahead. So, I mean, I think that's the message the Democrats are giving. Don't you know, don't get worried. But at the same time, be vigilant because Donald Trump telegraphed, you know, months ago exactly what he's going to do. You know, the Democrats have a twice as large of a legal team for voter protection than they had in 2016. All of the states knew this was coming, so they were going to make sure they did everything the right way to be able to rebut any claim without evidence that, that the Republicans or the Trump campaign would come up with. So, I mean, I mean, think that's, you know, be vigilant. Don't just, you know, sit back and relax. Be vigilant. But everything was well prepared for. And by Inauguration Day, Joe Biden is going to get sworn in, assuming the votes go where we all think they're going to go. And on uh, when the Electoral College hits, you know, in, in December, they will vote for him. So you got to let the legal process play out, including the recounts, which are coming and certainly in Georgia. Steve, several uh, several legal challenges have already been posed by the Trump legal team. Some of them have been thrown out already. Uh, others are ongoing. We know that Georgia will have a recount. Is this where a difference could come in Trump's favor if we go into recount mode? I mean, the only would, would matter if there were, were enough votes that mm. would have to switch or get thrown out. And like in a state like Pennsylvania, um, where is my understanding is, you know, Pennsylvania said this time we're going to allow votes to come in. Yeah up to three days after Election Day, so long as they were postmarked on Election Day. Those votes haven't even been been tallied yet in the public findings for either Biden or Trump. So the, the, the Pennsylvania numbers may be an undercount right now. And, and I think if you look back in history and the Associated Press has never called a race that they've gotten wrong. Mm. Um, and so the Associated Press has called... Um, you know, 264 for Biden now, Nevada, where he's pretty far ahead would be 270. And then the recounts, you let them happen if they're allowed under state law. Georgia is one of those for sure, because it is so close. You let it go forward. So let the legal process play out. Um, be confident in, in what the results are going to be. Steve, sorry, just getting a question in from Manisha Tank, who, of course, our weekday uh, host on uh, The Breakfast Huddle with Elliot Danker. And she's asking how much of a lead would the Associated Press need to declare a winner? 
Do you know? Do you know what well, that looks like? Because there is some contro- controversy on that. Because they've called Arizona, haven't yeah. they? Very early in the week. But other news agencies, such as the Guardian, keeps arguing why they haven't. Right. And as that lead decreases day by day, it does look like a very early call, Steve. Yeah. Well, the Associated Press looks at everything, right? They look at where the statistical analysis is in terms of where the votes have come in, how many votes are out there, where are they coming from, what are the registrations, if they're mail-in ballots, how many were requested by Democrats and returned. Now, you don't know if a mail-in ballot was requested by a Democrat and returned by a Democrat, that that's 100% a Biden vote. Maybe this Democrat decided to vote for Trump. But you have a pretty good idea of what that percentage is. And and if a mail ballot was requested by a Republican returned, you have a pretty good idea it's going to be a Trump vote. They look at all of those things. And when they have a level of confidence, they will call the state. And they have never, as I understand it, they've never gotten it wrong where they call the state prematurely because they are nonpartisan and they look at everything before they do that call. Mm. So we should have confidence. Like they could get it wrong. Um, and even if they did get Arizona wrong this time, you still have, because of Biden's past, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Nevada, all to work with. Are you surprised, Steve, in any way by the response from the GOP, the Republic Party, generally towards uh, the president's false comments, declaring victory when it wasn't? Even several TV networks in the U.S., as you know, pulled away from the coverage and said, He's lying. None of this is correct. This is all factually incorrect. That's why we've pulled away from covering his speech. And yet with the vague exception of, you know, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, who mildly, mildly criticized some of his more inflammatory comments, no one really in the Republican Party has stood up and said, don't do this. Mm. Don't call fraud. Don't question the democratic process of the United States in the way that you are. Is this simplistically Republicans protecting their jobs? Or is there something deeper here, Steve, that Trumpism, in whatever way, shape or form, is here to stay now within the Republican Party? Look, there's various hypotheses, and you can, you can go a couple different ways. One of them might be, right, that you have candidates who are going to run in 2024, presumably run in 2024, who ran right in in um, and lost in 2016, somebody like Ted Cruz. And so Ted Cruz is saying, look, there is an element of the Republican Party that is completely behind Trump. Mm. And I'm going and you are going to need them to win. So today I will come out for Trump and that way I will have them in 2024. And you've got, you know, so some of this may be just political posturing. It's dangerous. And personally, I don't think you should be politically using political posture off of the democratic process, but some of it may be political posturing on, on some Republicans. You have other Republicans like Mitt Romney and Chris Christie who have said, look, if you are going to claim fraud, you better have evidence. You yeah. haven't had any evidence yet. So, you know, put up or shut up. And then you had this you know, scenario of the constitutional crisis where you could have a Republican legislature in Pennsylvania sending an alternative uh, list of, 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 of voters to the Electoral College in conjunction, you know, in, in different than what the Democratic governor would send based on the state vote. And the Republican legislature said, we're not going to do that. So you do have other Republicans come in saying we're not going to get into a constitutional crisis to save Donald Trump over these baseless allegations of voter fraud. So it's it's working itself out and it's it's taking more time and you're not having people stand up as they should, in my opinion. But it is starting to get there a little bit. 
Steve, we're seeing this little thing on on most of the TV screens now saying that you know Biden is expected to speak soon uh, given the fact that there is there, we can't necessarily declare a winner at this point and I don't what would we expect him to say at this particular moment in time if in fact he does speak in the next hour or two well if he does I, I think it wouldn't be any different than what he has said the last time he spoke um, which is we are confident we let the process work out let the votes get counted. You know, we need to keep calm, but we are going to be aggressive in defending against any baseless allegation. And I think, you know, he will also, I think, say what he has said all along, which is that he while he ran as a Democrat, he will govern as an Mm. American. And I, you know, you know, I I know on your segment with with Blair, you you talked about this a bit. And maybe the when when the heat comes down from the rhetoric from the White House, um, it will tamp down some of these divisions that are very deep in the U.S. that that need to get bridged. So I think you'll you'll hear a reaching out um, as well. Do you think that reconciliation, which everybody in theory would want, will actually come to pass? Because when you think about what Trumpism really is, and it's been very successful for the Republican Party, it is built on division. You know, Trump got elected in 2000, uh, in the previous election in 2016 by essentially saying, I'm going to drain the swamp. Look at Washington. Nothing ever gets done. It's permanently gridlocked. Look at the way you had Obama and Mitch McConnell, one in the Senate, one in the White House, back and forwards, back and forwards, nothing gets done. Ironically, is there a chance that it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy again? Look at that. You've got Biden in the White House. You've still got Mitch McConnell in the in the Senate there, the majority leader. Gridlock. Nothing gets done. We need the swamp to be drained again. Fast forward 2024. You get Trumpism again in another incarnation. Is it a possibility that that self-fulfilling prophecy could come to pass again? Well, I would argue it hasn't been successful because you've got a one. If, if, presuming he loses, he's had he's a one-term president, which we must add, it would be that, the first time in twenty-eight years uh, to remove it, an right. incumbent. So, yeah. So you've got a one-term president, and you've got the Democrats have kept the House. They didn't get the Senate back yet, although you have a runoff in Georgia. It's possible, not likely, but possible the Democrats could still capture the Senate. So I don't think you can say Trumpism is successful as a political movement. There have been things that that Donald Trump has done, Um, certainly when you want to talk about a conservative majority on the Supreme Court, if you want to talk about a rollback on regulations, especially environmental ones, if you want to talk about a a tax cut that, that, you know, piled up the deficit, you could talk about that one, too. But he's accomplished a lot. Doesn't mean what he accomplished most of the country likes because he would have gotten a second term had Mm. he had, had they liked it. Um, so I don't think that Trumpism has been successful or else he would have gotten that second term. But to be fair, I mean, he's nearly half the vote is going to him, right? I mean, when you've got 68 million people versus 70 plus million He'll have people over 70. voting. He'll have over 70. Yeah. I mean, that that is still a pretty uh, striking mandate from half of the electorate, is it not? He got, look, he got 47-ish, right? 47 more or less percent of the vote. Um he is no Republican, has gotten 50 percent or more of the vote um, uh, in the last five who have run. So the Republican Party is a minority party. It's a significant, of course, I'm talking 47, 48 percent, 46, depending on the year. But right. it is a minority. party. The Republican Party, if it wants to govern as a majority party across the country, it is going to have to change. It can get to 47 percent 
running as Donald Trump ran. It can't get to above 50. And that's what the Republican Party is going to have to figure out. And, Neil, back to what's going to happen in 2024. Let's see what a Biden administration accomplishes. Mm. Does a Biden administration begin to have some type of compromise? And are the Republicans willing to compromise a bit? Um, that is what's going to have to happen. I'm Look, I'm hopeful that because of the dire economic situation we are in in the United States, because nothing has been done um, when it comes to, to providing a stimulus that is much needed due to the pandemic, that maybe a, a President Biden can work with Mitch McConnell to get that to happen. I just got one uh, query, uh, Steve. Whatever happens, let's assume, based upon the leads, not every vote has been counted, but we end up with a Biden administration. We've still got a couple of months. January the 20th is uh, inauguration date. We've still got two and a half months of a coronavirus that is now taking 112,000 cases a day, I think, now in the U.S. 1,200 deaths a day is the latest report. What happens in the next couple of months with a, a, an administration in flux dealing with the worst global pandemic in a century? Well, why would you expect this administration to do anything different in the next two months than it's done in the past two months? Um, and it could even get worse. All right. I mean, you could have, you know, Dr. Fauci getting fired, which uh, Donald Trump said it's something he might consider doing. Um, so you may even have less of a, a federal response. Hopefully what's happening with Operation Warp Speed will continue without uh, any presidential or, or White House leadership that the drug companies are going to be doing what they need to do to get the vaccine. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not hopeful that anything different is going to happen in the next two months. It hasn't happened in the past eight or nine months. And you could have more things happening. Donald Trump can put sanctions on on countries and his foreign policy. He can issue more executive orders on immigration. Um, the Supreme Court could overrule, you know, the, the mandate on on uh, for pre-existing conditions on Obamacare. We are in a very dangerous two months with what might happen economically and foreign policy in the U.S. So we can't lose sight of that as Every day we're going, oh, it's another thousand votes in Arizona or it's another, exactly. you know, another two thousand in Pennsylvania. It's a great point that not enough news agencies, I think, are making. You've still got two and a half months where anything can happen. Yeah. Trisha Craig is uh, coming in with a, a question saying not to get ahead of ourselves, but if Biden wins, given the tightness of the race, would he go more centrist in his cabinet appointments and appointments to the government to try to bring more people together. And given the lack of a Senate majority, you know, would that deepen the split in the Democratic Party? Well, I, I think um, you have to look at that Joe Biden is going to have a very diverse cabinet. So it is going to be diverse in, in the types of people that he brings in. It is going to be diverse in the types of Democrats that he brings in from from different perspectives. So all of that obviously is getting thought of now uh, by the transition team, but it all of you know all the different pieces come into come into play when one piece gets set. Then you you have to figure out how is that move the next piece. The Senate is going to be unknown until January fifth, I think, when the Georgia Senate runoff is going to be. So that is going to mm -hmm. have a difference. But I don't think that the the question will be. What is Nancy Pelosi going to do with her House majority? You've got this. You've got a lot of issues in the House right now where the more moderate Democrats have said, look, all of this rhetoric on defund the police have hurt us. We lost seats in the House when when Joe Biden won on the top of the ticket. That shouldn't have happened. And so you're going to have de internal debates in a Biden administration in the House and in the Senate. It is going to be a, a period in flux for both the Democrats and the Republicans.
And just for fun, Steve, finally, to wrap this up, because we're speculating anyway, <laughs> Harris 2024, Trump 2024, or Trump <laughs> Junior 2024, what are the odds? Oh, really, Neil? Are you really going to go there? People are saying it already. Don't joke. People are saying it already. Trump or Trump Junior 2024. What are we talking about here, Steve? Are you referring to Donald or Ivanka? You tell me. <laughs> At this point, you tell me. <laughs> you're, you're going to see a battle like you've never seen in the Republican Party. What did the Democrats do this time? The Democrats said, we need to coalesce behind one candidate early, whoever that may be, because we need to make sure that we pick somebody who can beat Trump. And that happened, you know, as Joe Biden very early, the Democrats got behind. I don't see the Republicans saying, who can we pick early to go up against uh, against, uh, you know, Biden or whoever the Democratic nominee would be in 2024. It is just going to be a massive, nasty fight in the in the Republican Party. You're going to see the, the politicians like, you know, Cruz and presumably Rubio. You could have three people from Florida running, right? You could have this Governor DeSantis. You could have Senator Rubio and Senator Scott, you know, doing a, you know, the Trump base versus a more moderate base. It's just it's just going to be I can I'll guarantee you it will be a, a massively nasty intra party <laughs> primary process. That's a nice <laughs> optimistic note to finish on. <laughs> well, you brought it up, Neil. You brought up the four yeah. years later question. So uh, that's yeah. that's the way to Steve Oaken, of course. Thanks for uh, uh, being on with us. You'll be on with us again tomorrow. Maybe we'll have more information to uh, impart based on numbers and, and how it's uh, all looking there. In the meantime, thanks, Steve. Great being with both of you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.